or our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we, we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than, 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 I, than I cared about me winning. You know, that was when I really, truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. There's no reason to sleep in. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I think sleeping in is a little bit of being lazy. Wrestling is just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to, like, figure everything out. No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in-depth. Only fault was it I thought I could pin everybody, you know. So going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. You know, that's what I love to do. I want to stand. Out. I want to. I want to get in your face. I want to beat you up. For 17 years, it was like it was what I was training for, you know. And this is potentially my last tournament. It's like this is it. It's like eight mile. Like you only get one shot. I felt like he took what was mine, you know, and um, I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go. Welcome to the D1CW Sudden History ACC Preview Podcast, a.k.a. Episode 26 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Smith. If you follow the Sudden History Show, you'll have noticed, of course, that I've been on a bit of a hiatus. Well, this is the reason. I've been trying to put together the groundwork for my conference preview podcast, Yes, the ACC is not the only one I'll be putting out. Next will be the EIWA. I'm staying on the East Coast. Typically, the Sun History Show has been about looking to the recent past in wrestling history, but I have made some exceptions about doing recaps and previews at the conference tournaments and nationals. I figured I'm pretty excited about a new college season on the horizon, so why not? If you're listening to this, you've discovered the podcast portion of the preview. No kidding. Well, I've also written a piece on the ACC as well for the D1CW website. It includes conference rankings, conference wrestlers of the year to watch, freshmen to watch, conference dual schedules, the whole shebang. If you listen after you listen to this three or four times, check that out as well. On the podcast, we're starting with the ACC because well, I like the ACC. I live right in the middle of ACC country. I'm sure our pal Jason Bryant would claim I live in Mac country since Old Dominion's two hours away from me, but it's ACC country. All the schools that support wrestling are within three to three and a half hours away from me. Well, we're going to start off with a conversation between me and the University of Virginia's head coach, Steve Garland. When he was competing, he was a 125-pounder, so he's let off many a dual meet, and he's going to get started for us here as well. Our first guest on the Sudden History ACC Preview Podcast is the head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers. Let's welcome Steve Garland. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Glad to be on the show. Uh, thanks, Coach. Um, coach, if you could start off with a weight-by-weight -weight breakdown of who will be competing for spots in the Cavalier lineup for 2016-17, I don't want you to get yourself in trouble saying who's beating who or who you'll think emerged, but just maybe the contenders at each weight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that, right, because, you know, we're obviously at a state at a lot of weights where we don't know what's going to happen yet, so I'll, I'll just frame it as guys that are battling right now for spots. And 
starting off at 125. We've got some great young guys there and also anchored by a fifth year as well, who's a great kid and a leader of our program. So I'll run through those names. The first two freshmen are Louis Hayes, who's a double Fargo champ. He won both styles out in Fargo and an Illinois state champ kid from the Chicago area that um, he, he's just a phenomenal kid and everybody loves him. And then Jack Mueller, who was one of the top recruits in America at any weight, who's a four time national prep champ, two time Fargo champ as well. Uh, and he's just an, an actually three time Fargo finalist. He's been incredible. I mean, we knew he was incredible coming in, but what we've seen is a level of focus, commitment, and passion that's, uh, that's pretty hard to see. Uh, well, I guess it's pretty hard to, to measure. I mean, it's just been amazing to see how well he's adapted academically, socially, work ethic-wise, and, and what he's been battling in the room. And when he goes live, it's pretty impressive to watch. And then we also have a guy by the name of Will Mason, who is – um, who's, who's been battling with Nick Herman for years. And uh, they had an overtime wrestle-off a couple of years ago, the year that Herman went to Nationals and was winning matches at Nationals. So, um, you know, that's, that's why he hasn't been a starter. But he's, he's going to be trying out for that spot and trying to, you know, do everything he can to be the man this year as well. And so at 133, uh, Will Mason's also considering potentially going 33. So he'll be there. We also have another young man named Alex Uri, who's, who's uh, another senior from the uh, Florida area, uh, and he's a, he's a kid that, again, has been behind some great kids, but he's, he's a great guy in our room and uh, certainly can't count him out. And then the, the, the star freshman we have at that weight is Mickey Philippi. Mickey Philippi is a guy from Pennsylvania who's a three-time state champ, Dapper Dan competitor, just a phenomenal, one of the top recruits in the country at any weight, and, and again, just a star. And he's been everything we thought he was going to be and more, and so he'll be competing for a starting spot at that weight because – the big news from the party boat on our end is that George D. Camillo is going up to 141. And uh, we've kind of kept that <clears throat> tight to the vest, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of time to get it out now. He's going to be going up. He's huge. Uh, he was going to go 33 all summer. That was the plan. And then he showed up on grounds for preseason training and, and was, was just monstrous. And physically, it's just not the right thing for him to go down. And so we think he's good enough to beat anybody at any weight. So he's going to go up to 141 and be strong and happy and, and uh, hopefully have a great season. And so that's the guy we expect to, to be at 141 as a three-time ACC champion, three-time round of 12 guy. I mean, he's a wily veteran. He's been there, done that, and he's earned the right to call his shots where he wants to go. So we're going to support him. And uh, so that's Georgie there at 41, and then that means that we're going to have some shift. And we originally planning on Sammy Crevis going 141, but now Sammy's going to slide on up happily up to 149, and he, he's happy about that because now he can lift and get jacked and, not have to worry about the cut and weight. And he was a star as well. He was a huge recruit coming out, three-time Super 32 champ, three-time Flow Nationals champ, two-time state champ from Pennsylvania, been on the circuit for a long time, and he redshirted for us last year. So we're excited to see what he can do at 49. We also have uh, Chris Yankowicz, one of our favorite kids on the team, uh, also at 149, though. So there's a little bit of a log jam there now with Chris is third at the ACC conference last year at 149, had a phenomenal ACC tournament in terms of you know, how he overperformed in terms of what his seed was and what he had done during the year. He's a guy you've heard me talk about in the past, but he finally broke through last year, and he's had an unbelievable offseason. I mean, he's just as dedicated a kid as it gets. He's getting a master's degree in business from the McIntyre School of Commerce, which, wow. for those who don't know, is one of the most amazing. You know, it's one of the top five business schools in, in the world. So it's incredible. Uh, he's doing that and wrestling and training full-time, so he's just an incredible kid. So we'll, we'll have some good depth there. And also at 141 and 149, we've got Sam Martino, uh, who's another freshman. You're going to hear me talk a lot about our freshmen. 
who I absolutely mm-hmm. love, who I just think is a, is a program culture guy that you can't ask for a better human being to work with. And his work ethic is outstanding. He's the ROTC guy. So on a typical Tuesday, he'll do time miles at 6 a.m. with ROTC, 8 o'clock lift with the wrestling team, 3 o'clock extra workout with Coach Lean doing technique, and then 345 practice with the team. So he's working out four times a day. <laughs> Jeez. So other, other, other than that, he's terrible, you know. So, so he, he provides a lot of, you know, depth there as well. And, and then 157, we've got Andrew Atkinson, who's a two-time national qualifier, one of the leaders of our team. He actually lost to Brichetta last year from Tech, who's a third in the country, twice in, in, in overtime. So that's how good he is. And lost to Tommy Gann, I think, 1816 or something crazy in a shootout. He's just he's just great. He's beaten he's he's beaten some of the best guys in the country. He took fourth at Las Vegas last year. Um, won I think he won seven matches at that tournament. So he's prime. We we were hoping he's going to be on the podium, and we think that's absolutely uh, a, a realistic goal, and we think that he can do it. And uh, so, but pushing him is going to be a guy by the name of Cam Harrell. Uh, Cam Harrell was a stud first year that I talked a lot about last year. He came out of the gates hot and took third at an open tournament to start the season, and looked like he was going to be a phenom for us right away, but then he ended up uh, getting a concussion and ended up having to miss a lot of time with injury, but then got back on it in the freestyle circuit, was in the semis of the field of junior nationals out in Vegas, wrestled for us and trained hard this summer, and again, is a really talented kid there. At 165, we've got three guys. We've got a transfer from UPenn, who's the fifth year, also getting a master's degree here with us. His name is Ray Bethea. He was Penn's starter last year and now uh, looking to start here. Um, also, Garrett Peppelman, who was our starter last year at 165. And then also Fox Baldwin, who was both our starter at 65 and 74 at different times last year. So we're, 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 we feel like we've got some great depth at 165. 174, we have a fourth year coming back in Tyler Askey. Askey had a, had a great end of the year last year, took third at the ACC Conference. Um, also beat um, some great kids over the summer and went to both university nationals and university club duels. And he's going to be one of the leaders of the team this year. And then at 184, we've got Will Chaney, who's a four-time state champ from Nebraska, high school national champ who uh, was our starter last year and I believe was the third or fourth seed at the, at the ACC's last year. And so looking to build on that. At 197, we've got three guys, actually, that I, all, that I think are all great. you got Chance before coming off redshirt, who was a huge recruit coming out that was our starter his freshman year and redshirted last year. And then we've got J.I.L.O., who's a high school national champion in second at Flow Nationals, state champion from Northern Virginia, who, again, is only a freshman, one of the hardest-working big men I've ever worked with. He's going to be there as well. And then we got Tyler Love, who was part of last year's big class, that is also a really talented kid that we, we've loved since he was a sophomore in high school. So um, that's that's kind of what we've got happening now there. And at heavyweight, we've got three guys. We've got a transfer from Bucknell, who's also getting a master's degree in business. His name is Chuck Body. Then we have Edwin Rubio, who's our highly touted heavyweight prospect we brought in this year. And then we've got another young man named Austin Kanise, who's a state champ from Virginia. So that takes us from 25 to heavyweight, and I apologize if that was too long. No, no, that's great. I love the details. Um, so first things first, Coach, we found out within the last week you guys are down an assistant coach with Keith Gavin leaving for Oklahoma. How has the search for a new assistant gone? I know it can't be the optimal time, you know, looking at the calendar, but are you able to fill us in on that situation? Let me just say this. We've got some big news coming your way next week when we're allowed to officially release it, but we, we feel like we've addressed that situation and it's going to be a really big thing for the program. Okay, well, we'll look out for that. Um, with last season's team, you guys did not have an All-American for the first time in four years and only the second time since 2008. You've set a standard of uh, you know, regularly producing All-Americans. How do you look back and analyze the 2015-16 season? Well, 
last season was a tough, tough year for a lot of reasons. I mean, um, the year before we won ACCs, we ranked as high as ninth in the country, so we were really kind of riding high, and we went into that last season with huge expectations, and we didn't hit our goals, But and, and it was tough. Whenever you feel like you've got the right situation, whenever you know, you, you believe that you can reach high goals and you don't reach them, and for any athlete, it breaks your heart. Um, and, and so it was just a devastating year on from that perspective, but it's amazing how much we learn as young men in adversity and how much we learn in the pit. And last year we got hit with just about every piece of adversity you can possibly imagine from injury, from a guy transferring. It was a big part of our program from gosh, illness, uh, internal stuff. I mean, it just, it was just such a, such a hard year, um, in terms of ups and downs. Now that being said, uh, learned a ton. I think it was my be- one of my best learning years as a coach because I learn a lot better when I'm in the pit than when I'm on the mountaintop. And so I think I'm a better coach. I think, uh, our, our staff overall is better for it, and I think we're going to be a better program moving forward in the long run because of it. So what I would talk up last year, too, was it was a great learning experience filled with a diversity that, that I believe is actually going to help us become better in every area of, of, of our jobs. And you've touched on this a little bit already, but under your lead, the Cavaliers have generally been one of the better recruiting teams in the conference and the country, and two of the huge recruits you have coming in this year are Jack Mueller of Texas and Mickey Phillippe of Pennsylvania, you know, talk about what you've seen from them as well as uh, the rest of this recent freshman class. Sure. Thanks for asking about those guys. Cause I definitely want to brag on them. I bragged about ILO and some other guys. And I definitely want to lock in on these two. Here's the thing recruiting. You can, you can bring in the greatest guy in the world on paper. That's got rankings and that, that has all these accolades, but unless you have the guy in terms of character, if you have, you, what, you've got nothing. I mean, I think you have to have the guy that matches up with what you're really looking for, that matches up with uh, the pillars of our program are focus, discipline, and consistency. The battle cry of our program is no retreat, no reserve, and no regrets. And these guys really have bought into that. They believe it with all their heart. They're living it out every day. Um, I don't have to ever worry for one second about those two guys living right and doing right. Um, and it, so for me, that's been that's been such a treat because I'm just going to say it. In the last, I've been doing this since my 17th season doing it. Let's be honest. There's been plenty of guys that have said A, B, and C on the, during the recruiting process, and then they were something else when they got to me. They were something else. They weren't exactly who they said they were going to be, and they didn't do exactly what they said they were going to do. And that's frustrating as a leader, of the, as, as, any, as, any guy, as any leader would tell you. That that's, you, you get pretty upset with that stuff. And, and this group isn't like that. This group, this first-year group entirely, I would say every one of them, it's definitely those two guys highlighted it. Where they, they're exactly who they said they were going to be, and they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do, and I couldn't be more happy about it. I, I think that those two guys are going to absolutely revolutionize our program. God willing, they stay healthy. Okay, so the lineup that you discussed will most likely feature only two wrestlers with NCAA championship experience. Um, it seems like it's something that it could excite you when thinking of the young talent in the lineup, but I also imagine it could make you anxious about – uh, having the lack of big match experience coming sure absolutely season. yeah yeah you hit the nail on the head i think what i've been thinking a lot about is how i'm, I'm one of the most impatient per- people in on the planet and i think god's going to teach me a lot about patience this year because it's so exciting to see these young kids and what they're going to do and, and project your lineup out and project your development so you're looking you know yeah this year maybe we don't have that experience but we can gain that experience and then what's our team going to look like in 17 18 what's our team going to look like in 18 19 that's 
you're you're trying to build something. That's what a vision is. That's what you know. You're trying to look project something out that could be amazing, and that's what's exciting. But yes, in the short term, we're going to have a lot of growing pains, and we're going to have ups and downs, and we're going to have young guys make young mistakes and out there on the mat. And what I want to focus on with these guys is impact over outcome. How can I help them learn and develop a, a lifestyle that helps them become an incremental improver and continuous learner? They're just going to get just a little bit better every single day, and we fix on that, and we fix on the process, and we get joy in that process and not fixate on outcomes. And, man, what could we look like at the, by the end of the year? And what could we look like two years from now? What our program could be could be pretty amazing. Uh, one of the leaders and mainstays of your lineup has been George D. Camillo. He will be, as you mentioned, going for his fourth ACC title, finished in the dreaded round of 12 three times. You know, talk about what George means to your program, what he needs to do to get over that hump, get onto the podium, and possibly compete for a national title. Yeah, well, he has everything you need to be on the podium, and there's just no question about it. I mean, last year he was winning 6 to nothing in the All-American round, and very late in the match got caught on his back twice. It was just and with the new back point rule. I mean, it, it was amazing how fast that match got away. And that was probably one of the most heartbreaking losses I've ever been a part of as a coach. And, but that being said, that doesn't mean he doesn't have the tools, doesn't mean he has, doesn't have the mindset, doesn't mean he doesn't have everything it takes. I think it's just, again, one of those crazy learning experiences that we go through. And, um I know for him, all it did was was tick him off and motivate him even more. I mean, he's been an absolute monster. As a matter of fact, for me, I usually have to pull him back. I used to have to. I usually have to chase him down and say, "Hey, man, don't be running hills on your day off. Please actually take the day off." Does that make sense? So I'm trying to because he's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so I, I met with him yesterday, and one of the things we talked about that he's really embracing this year is. It sounds so cliche, but his leadership role. And I don't just mean you know yelling at guys and telling them what to do. Hit hit part one of the sort of underlying themes of our program is relationship and he's excited about mentoring Mickey and mentoring Jack and investing in these guys who he believes in investing in the future of our program he loves Virginia wrestling so much one of his legacies he wants to leave is his friendship and his investment and his uh, impact on everybody else on the team before he leaves here and goes off into the real world and that's exciting I mean that's what gives it a it's a bigger thing than just George it's a bigger thing than just the national title it's yes I want to be a national champ but I also want to affect people in a positive way along the way, and that's what I think makes him special, and that's why I'm so grateful to have him. And I think you know I'm a proud Virginia resident. Pay close attention to your team, especially the homegrown Virginia guys, and one of those kids who's had some success for you is your 157-pounder, Andrew Atkinson. Um, He had some good credentials coming into college, but I still felt he might have been overlooked nationally. Uh, Talk about his improvement and his growth with you guys while in Charlottesville. Oh, thanks for bringing him up. Yeah, and before I talk about Andrew, it just hit me. You know, I forgot to mention Corbin Allen, who's another homegrown Virginia guy that's going to be competing yep. uh, anywhere from 65 to 84, depending on where he wants to go, and he's tough as nails as well. He was hampered with injuries last year, but he's a really tough kid. It's had a great preseason as well. And Tyler Love and J.A.L.O., Will Mason, and gosh, we've got a lot of Virginia guys now that are doing some good things. Um, Austin Kinney's had heavyweight. So we're getting a lot more Virginia talent, and we're, we're very excited about that. But as far as Atkinson specifically – mental toughness. I mean, he's just not afraid of anybody. I mean, he has no fear. He lives his life like that. And it, that should go without saying because wrestlers try to act like tough guys, but I'm one of the only wrestlers that admits that he has fears in life. I guess I, I, I do. I have a lot of fears that don't have anything to do with fighting or wrestling, but I'm a, I fear that I, I worry about providing for my family. I worry about my girls. I worry, you know, things like that. And so, uh, Atkinson is one of those psychos that he doesn't have fear about anything. 
<laughs> you know, the reason why he was able to, to almost beat Tommy Gant when Tommy Gant's a way better wrestler on paper is because he don't care who he is. He's just going to go out and wrestle. The reason why he thinks he's going to go out and place at nationals is because he just thinks that's what he's supposed to do. He's dumb enough to think he can beat everybody. He's not afraid of getting tired. He's not afraid of what the other guy brings to the table. He's going to go out there and, and put it on the line with anybody. And, and I think, so mentally, I think he's a monster that way, and I think that's what we're hoping trickles out to some of these other guys on the team because that's what it takes at our level. You touched on there a couple of new faces in the room, a pair of grad students who competed for other schools yet still have eligibility remaining and will likely see time in your lineup. What have you seen so far from Ray Bethea and Chuck Body? Gosh, they've been awesome. Well, Ray got straight A's this summer, so he had to take, I think, like six to nine credits already this summer, and he, he literally got 4.0. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, Chuck Body is in a very rigorous program as well, and he's killing it in school, and they're just really, really mature, awesome kids that work really hard. Um, Chuck Body, I mean, gosh, I, you know, I had seen him before at Bucknell because he's, he's good buddies with one of the guys on the team, so I had watched him in opens, but I didn't know. What do you know about work ethic from watching a guy compete? I mean, his work ethic is crazy. I mean, crazy for a big guy. Uh, I, I hope I don't offend anybody, but I, I've had some heavyweights in the past that were a little uh, hard to motivate. You know, maybe they, maybe they weren't always maybe they weren't always excited about doing extra or pushing themselves in certain situations. Not all of them, but some of them. They, he's not like that. He this guy trains like like any. I mean, he trains like he's like there's no tomorrow. Like there's the, the plane's going down, and he's you know this is his last workout of his life. So. I've been really excited about both those guys. Okay, so looking at your newly released schedule, a couple things that stand out, your early season trip up north to see Michigan and Central Michigan, then a return to the Virginia Duels. You know, what goes into putting the schedule together and getting some of these new opponents into the mix? Yeah, so I'll tell you, Coach Lean helped. I've been doing scheduling for, what, was it 15 years? And I just broke. I just I just couldn't take it anymore this year. <laughs> I said, Lee, I need your help. You're better at this than me. Uh, you're, you're a wheeler and a dealer, and, 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 and you're great at, you know, uh, being aggressive. Go out there and get the best schedule possible for us. And he, so he helped get us on this Michigan trip, which I think is incredible. And we're going to get to go out to Michigan, one of the top ten teams in the country, and battle at their place, which is going to be an incredible experience. And then the next day, go wrestle Central Michigan and, um, we're going to go back to the Southern Scuffle, which is one of the best tournaments in the country. Uh, we're going back to Virginia Duels, which we were in the finals of the Virginia Duels three years in a row before taking a year off. And so we, we typically wrestle well down there, and that's become a phenomenal tournament as well. So I'm excited about that. And um, and then we got our ACC schedule, which is an absolute beast. I, I mean, obviously, as you know, you're doing this piece on our conference. Our conference is ridiculous at this point. And so um, it's going to be it's going to be great, you know. And then, oh, by the way, we start off our year – uh, also with uh, another Big Ten team in Maryland who's got ton, mm-hmm. tons of good young talent. And then also uh, Lockhaven, who – Lockhaven, I watched them all off season. I know Scotty Moore worked for me. Scott was my assistant coach, and now he's the head coach at Lockhaven, so I know how tough they're going to be. So I feel like we, we he put together a really good mix of teams from all over the country, different conferences represented, and balanced it out to hopefully benefit our team. Okay, that's all I have for you. What else do we need to know about the Virginia Cavaliers for the 2016-2017 season? Well, I, I'm always talking to anybody that will listen about our commitment to academics and our commitment to um, trying to develop our athletes' why. You know, I give a speech across the country to youth groups and high school kids and wrestlers and administrative capacity that if the why's not right, nothing's right. And we're trying to hopefully develop guys that have their why right and, and that have their – 
uh, have to have their heart right as they enter into something that's pretty awesome, trying to chase down excellence and trying to do something that, that here at Virginia has never been done. And so that's what I think we're unified on right now as a team, and maybe the results won't show it in every case. But for us, I feel like the investments that are going in on the front end are going to make something pretty special on the back end. And God knows when that when that will happen, but I'm just excited. I, lo- I love my team. I think we've got a great group of kids, and I think that's exciting. All right, that is exciting. And thanks to Coach Garland for talking Virginia Wrestling with the Sudden History ACC Preview Podcast. Our next guest on the Sudden History ACC Preview Podcast is North Carolina head coach Coleman Scott. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Sure. If you could, uh, could you give us a preview of uh, what the Tar Heel lineup could look like this upcoming season? You don't need to get into specifics on you know, who's beating who, but maybe just uh, who's going to be competing for certain spots in the lineup. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think we're going to have a, a very competitive team this year. You know, uh, we're getting we're getting better each and every day, and um, you know, I think with our our couple of new additions to the staff, they're going to help tremendously in uh, where we want to go um, as a whole. You know, um, and, and you know, I think with you know two All Americans on the team and Joey Ward, you know, at one forty one, and Ethan Ramos uh, back at you know seventy four, one seventy four. Um, you know, we can build a team sort of around these guys and, and, and be very competitive by the end of the year. Um, you know, we might see some new faces in the lineup. Uh, well, I know we definitely will and, and everything, but, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think our, you know, you want guys that are pushing each other and, uh, you know, making each other better uh, every day, you know. And so I think, uh, you know, at, at 25 it's going to be competitive and sort of see the same few guys we've seen the last couple of years and then, um, you know, 33, not quite sure. You know, might have a true freshman in there. I'm not opposed to wrestling a true freshman any any given year uh, if I think that they're ready to go be competitive and it's going to be the best for them. Um, you know, and, and, and at 49, you know, might have a uh, guy coming off red shirt, and Troy Hellman, who is a couple-time national qualifier for us. And then, uh, you know, 57, 65, we have a couple guys, you know, younger guys in there. And, you know, we had a good showing at universities from Jack Clark at, at 74 kilos, and he ended up fourth in the tournament. And, you know, so looking to build off of that. And, um, you know, we got a transfer. Uh, Chip Ness is back up up top, and got a transfer 97-pounder in Danny Shade. And, uh, you know, so so we're looking to, to have a solid team out there. And, you know, like I said, we're going to get better every day. And uh, look forward to, to these guys getting ready to compete here pretty soon. So last year was your first as the head coach, and you didn't officially get the title until late in the summer. You know, talk about how you felt felt about the first season and any you know growing pains you may have experienced along the way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I thought it was you know it was a really hard year uh, for us. Just um, you know, with me just taking over, like you said, so late in the year. Um, you, you know, but it, but I also learned a lot. You know, I was willing to learn and willing to to make the most of it um, every single every single day. And I, I think, you know, I got better as a coach. And, um, you know, we came up a little short at the end of the year from where I really thought we could be, uh, you, you know. But, you know, I'm, I've, like I said, I've lived and learned and, and you know, look forward to, to changing some things and uh, getting better as a whole as we press forward here. And now it seems like it's a great time to be a Tar Heel. You know, you received – some verbals from a great group of high school seniors. I know you can't really talk about them quite yet. 
You've added Tony mm-hmm. Ramos to the coaching staff in the spring, and recently Kenny Monday has been named head coach of the Tar Heel Wrestling Club. You know, talk about mm-hmm. all you have going on in the new additions. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, with what we did was we, we you know, having, um, you know, first we brought on Tony, which was, you know, sort of immediately following the trials and, and everything. And, um, you know, he was a huge asset uh, for one, just having him here and his mentality and, and, you know, the way he perceives things. And, you know, he sort of comes from that op- opposite end of the spectrum. We, we've, we've always had the same concept of what we want to do, but getting there has been totally different for both of us. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's a big plus, um, you know, and, and then, and also him competing, you know, I truly believe this is the best place for him to compete for national title or uh, for world, world Olympic titles. And, and so my big push next was to get a, and I told him that I was going to go after Kenny Monday if he didn't get the USA job and he was going to be, um, you know, I was wanting to make him our freestyle regional training center, uh, coach. And that was just going to be, you know, in the sense of me getting the, the alumni and donors behind it and, and, uh, making it happen. And, and sure enough, a couple months later, um, I got a hold of him and I knew he was looking to make a move and, uh, you know, we made it happen. And, and uh, Kenny joined us just, uh, in August and, you know, I couldn't ask for a better coach, better guy to, to lead our guy, to lead our freestyle program. Uh, you know, I, I, when I wanted, when I told everybody I wanted an RTC, I wanted a legit RTC. I wanted guys, um, that we're training here to to win world titles, Olympic titles, not just be average. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember when I saw that Kenny Monday was added to the Tar Heel Wrestling Club, I tweeted that the ACC is really becoming an arms race. You know, you have Virginia Tech finishing in the top four in the country. NC State was number two dual team overall. You know, Virginia usually mm-hmm. has solid teams and recruits well. Now, how does the, having this type of competition on and off the mat ultimately help you in the UNC program? Well, competition always makes you better. You, you know, you, you should never shy away from it. It's always going to make you better. Um, you know, and I've, I'm adamant still to this day about that. You know, um, I, I will never, you know, the stronger the, the programs are down here and in the ACC, the stronger we're going to be. You know, it's it's not going to hurt us one bit. Um, you know, so I, so I love it. You know, if we have that good competition this close to us, you know, that, that's great. That's great. So it's it's uh, it's good for us. You know, it's just going to make us step our game up and uh, you know continue to get better each and every day as a coaching staff and as a program. And looking back at last season's team, you lost four seniors who had qualified for the NCAA tournament in 2016, and then uh, I believe another another wrestler that had previously qualified. Are there any concerns about losing so much uh, experience in the off season? Ah, you're going to have that every so every few years, you know. Um, you know, but our biggest concern was just getting a group of guys better right now that we have. Um, you, you know, and that, and that's I, I think we did that. I think we had a very productive summer. I think that um, we're, we're we're getting the right kids in here um, that fit the Carolina mold and the kids that you know truly want to win a national title, world title, and Olympic title, which is our goals as well. And you had mentioned one of your returning All-Americans, Joey Ward. He finished seventh at 141. You know, go through his little NCAA tournament run. He made it to the corner finals. Has Dean Heil as a top seed. You know, he kind of made he made headlines by giving Heil his only loss late in the regular season. You know, this time uh-huh. around, Heil, Heil got a five-point decision. And then in the round of 12, Joey avenged an earlier loss to ACC foe Kevin Jack. Then goes on to finish seventh. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I truly believe Joey. You know, at that weight class, I, I think they were all they were all really close. Um, and, and on any given day, it could have been you know somebody else won in the bracket or or whatnot. Dean was the best guy that day, and um, you, you know, I, I believe Joey Ward can be the best guy uh, this year in March. I uh, truly believe that. Um, I think he's progressed well. I think mentally he's he's in the right spot. And, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt adding Tony to the mix and Coach Monday uh, to, to help him get there. You know, it just puts more pieces of the puzzle together uh, to help this guy achieve his ultimate goal. And so what can we expect this year out of Ethan Ramos? He was an All-American as a freshman, started last season uh-huh. at 65, then moved up to 74. Um, and he only lost twice at 74 in the regular season, got a four-seat at Nationals, and then uh, – Oh, and two, uh, you know, where is he at this point in time? Uh, he's way better. You know, he, he had a few injuries last year, banged up a little bit. Um, you know, we've gotten him taken care of over the summer. He's done a great job of, of staying focused in, in the task at hand, which was getting healthy, getting better uh, for this upcoming year. Um, you know, I look forward to getting him back on the mat. And, uh, you know, I I think he's a, another guy that can compete for a national title. You know, he can be right in the mix to be. Uh, in that sending that national final Saturday night, uh, he's that good. Um, it's just you know that's the toughest tournament in the world. You know, being your best three days in a row, and um, you know we're we're getting there. We're figuring it out, and um, as a whole and as a team, the only way to do it is together. And you know our guys are getting better every day. And um, you know Ethan's a special kid, and he's a leader on and off the mat, and you know it's going to show this year. And a guy that you had mentioned earlier, you spent last year redshirting, is going to be back in the lineup as Troy Heilman. He was an NCAA qualifier before, spent last year competing mm-hmm. unattached at 149. You know, what can we expect from him this year? Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, the, the year of growth really helped him. You know, he was more mature and he took that redshirt last year. And uh, I think that was good for him, you know, and, and he's, uh, he competed, he competed a lot and, um, you know, competed throughout the summer, had a good summer, had a productive summer, um, you know, in the room. And, and you know, I think he's a, he's the type of guy, you know, he's he's the kid that you sort of want everybody to, to model after. He's the hardest worker. He, you know, he's one of the hardest workers. He's in that room every day. He's, you know, always positive. He's upbeat. You know, he doesn't let things affect him that, that he can't control. And, uh, you know, that's one of the main things. And, um, you know, ultimately we're going to, we're going to get there together. You know, uh, Troy's going to feed off Joey. Joey's going to feed off Troy and Ethan and, you know, the whole team up and down the lineup. You know, uh, you know, when you, when your team's successful, you know, it, it helps you and propels you to do special things. And you, you kind of touched on this earlier, uh, looking through your roster, there are a couple of lightweights that competed as true freshmen last season while a host uh-huh. of others redshirted, um, do you have a philosophy regarding red shirting or is it just something you determine on a case by case basis? I'm a case by got case by case basis. I didn't red shirt and if I went back to school today I wouldn't red shirt. Um, you know, I loved it, loved every minute of competing. Um, if guys you know, not, I'm not against bringing a guy out in uh January. Uh, it doesn't doesn't bother me. That's probably what I lean more towards anyways. Um, I'm gonna make sure a kid's ready and uh you know, not just physically, a lot of it's mentally and understand, you know, how hard a college season is. Um, and they'll probably take some losses, though. You know, it's gonna, people are going to question you all the time. You know, but but I truly believe if he's going to make our team better and it's going to make him a better person and a better wrestler down the road, then why not do it? Um, you know, that's that's the ultimate goal is to to be the best that they can be uh, on each individual. So you, I don't think you can just say, you know, in my mind that, 
everybody red shirts or everybody doesn't. You know, I think some guys need I think some guys are ready. Okay, that's all I have for you. Just uh, if there's anything else you need us to know about the UNC wrestling team for the 2016-2017 season. Now we're, you know, I appreciate uh, the time and, and uh, thank you for the interest in, in the program. All right. A uh, big thanks to Coleman Scott for talking with us on the Sudden History ACC Preview Podcast. Let's welcome NC State head coach Pat Papalizio to Sudden History's ACC Preview. Welcome, Coach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sure, Coach. If you could start by giving us a rough estimate of your lineup for this upcoming season. You don't necessarily need to go into who's beating who if you don't want to, but at least maybe some of the contenders you have for each weight. Yeah, um, not a problem. I mean, I think this year one thing we're going to see, in our at least in our team, is going to be probably a lot of new faces the first semester until we establish some uh, consistency with each weight as we move into second semester. But I think uh, first semester you're going to see probably a – you know, 125. We got we got a lot of options this year, and it's probably going to be one of our incoming guys that's going to wrestle that first semester. But you know, it's a little early to tell. Um, I think you got you know the options between Wade Cummings, Charlie Lennox, uh, probably as well as Tariq Wilson. Uh, I think Cody Russell as well. We got four options that we're going to see who uh, fits that that weight the best. But you know, those four guys to start with, and then as we, we start competing and see what level they're at, um, I think that's going to be the, the option for us that first semester. And then, you know, we'll work our way down, getting Sean Falls hopefully back in that in that spot as time goes on. But I think at least for first semester, Sean's going to wrestle about 33 with uh, his brother, uh, well, Jamal Morris and Jamel Morris, the twins there, and then Sean Falls as well. So we'll have, you know, three competitive guys at 33. Um and then, you know, as time goes on and guys get adjusted, hopefully, you know, we can make that decision second semester for, for our team with those two weights. Uh, 41, we got returning two years ago as an All-American ACC champ, Kevin Jack. He will uh, wrestle this year. I know there was some talk of him redshirting, but that's not the case. He will compete this year at 41. And, uh, you know, the luxury where we're at is we do have some depth and uh, got guys like Robbie Rizzolino who will be – battling in there and Will Clark who had some pretty close matches last year with some top ranked guys so he's he's getting some valuable experience uh, this year coming out of red shirt at 49 you're going to see guys like Sam Spino and uh, Bo Donahue both battle for that spot and both guys are going to be very competitive as Bo you know has had some some big wins in his career and last year placing at the ACC tournament and uh, now having Sam in there will add a lot of extra depth for us we also have some freshmen in our lineup that if we need to, we can uh, you know, possibly wrestle some of them. But I think a lot of our freshmen this year are going to redshirt and get some valuable experience. Um, one of the changes we're making this year is at 157, Max Roshkoff is going to drop down. And I think that's going to have a big impact on a lot of his uh, wrestling and his style of wrestling. I think we'll do well down a weight class and you know, he looked pretty big at 65 last year, but he didn't really have to – he actually had to manage his weight quite a bit to uh, stay up at 65. So I think it's going to be a, a better weight, just a natural weight for him. Um, and we do have other guys in there if needed as well. Uh, Chad Pike, who's a valuable guy, has a lot of experience 
redshirted his first year, and then he started for us for a year and was behind Tommy Gant last year. So he'll be in the mix of things as well. Um, you know, we're this last recruiting class we have, we're pretty deep through the middle. So we, you know, we'll always have options there. But I think it's best to get those guys some some good experience in open tournaments. As we look at 65, you know, one of our guys we're going to probably rely on a freshman, and where we're at right now, probably Nick Renan. Um, if we can get him down to weight, which I, I don't see that being a problem. You know, he wrestled up quite a bit during high school, so it was more towards his natural weight. But, you know, he'll either be at 65 or 74. And uh, at 65, we do have a lot of options as far as the Bowler twins there and, you know, Brian Hammond, who was pretty competitive as well a couple years ago in our lineup. So, you know, between those four guys, I think we're going to find a, a very, very good option. And also Lee Davis wrestled some matches for us as well. So, you know, we'll have three or four guys in the mix of things that first semester. And then, you know, 74, I think we're going to either see uh, Nikki Hall or Reen in there as well. So we'll, as we get closer to competi- competition, we're going to uh, balance out those weights. Um, at 84, we probably more than likely will redshirt Pete Renda and get him some valuable experience and make some gains. And uh, I think coming off of last year's redshirt, Michael Machiavello had uh, a lot of good wins. He wrestled and started for us his freshman year, and he's made some uh, pretty pretty good gains. So he's going to be a, a pretty competitive guy at 84. And, you know, I think he had some good individual wins last year in some of these open tournaments. So I think getting a full season under him is going to be, be very good for him. And then at uh, 97, we're going to see another change as uh, Boykin's going to move up to heavyweight, uh, which leaves room for Malik McDonald or Tyler Johnson. So both those guys will compete. And Malik's made some, you know, he showed some signs of some great things last year, not being in our lineup full time. But he's had some good wins over some top 20 guys and a good off season this past year. So I think he's going to obviously be a guy that can win matches right away, and that'll leave us, you know, with a, some big shoes to fill. But you know, I think as overall with 10 guys we're going to have, they're going to be pretty competitive. But Boykin and uh, possibly Mike Kasoy at heavyweight. So you know we'll. Every guy that we're going to throw out there will be pretty competitive, and it's going to it's going to take a semester for us to really lock into who's going to be our our guys. So, looking back at last season overall, now that it's in the rearview mirror, um, how do you evaluate the results during the dual season? You finished number two in the country, went twenty three and one with the road wins over Oklahoma State and Iowa. However, I guess you can say you didn't have the greatest NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, you know the dual meets did a lot for us we were a very competitive team you know and our guys wrestled for each other and it made a great team aspect and when you break it down to the NCAA tournament you know last time I checked NC State really wasn't up there with those top teams in the NCAA tournament as well so in my eyes I think we you know we're making big strides and you know everybody expected maybe a little more at the national tournament but you know you gotta you gotta make I don't know too many programs that go from you know middle of the road to the top, I think it's all a transition, and you got to go through the growing pains, and that's something that we're going through in, in that aspect. And I think it was a valuable learning experience. And uh, you know, you break it down, you're one or two matches away, one guy slips in there, and it changes the whole outcome. Unfortunately, that didn't fall in our favor. But when you break down our dual meets, that happened every time. You know, we were a toss-up match. There was probably five matches on paper we weren't going to win, and five and four that we should win, and there was. Or, you know, there was that one toss-up match every duel meet, and we were able to get that in some of these tight duel meets where we weren't favored to win. So 
I guess when you look at the dual meet aspect, you know, we, we overachieved. And when you look at the NCAA tournament, I think we kind of finished in, in reality right where we should have and, and leaves us room to grow and get better and, and become a better program. So do you address the team at all this year regarding expectations and pressure? Because last year um, some people may have thought you snuck up on everyone. You had those great wins as well as beating Nebraska, Missouri, Minnesota. So, you know, for media types and fans, it ended up being a good story. Now this year people are expecting you to be great. You're not going to sneak up on anyone. Is that something you think about? No, I think it's like anything else, you know, when you're – you're good in our sport. Guys are ready for you. They're prepared. Um, you know, all the best guys are training to beat the best guys. So I think we can just control what we're doing here. Uh, continue to grow. Continue to improve. You know, and, and make that next jump. A lot of our guys have won in high school. It's college, a different ball game, and they gotta they gotta develop and uh, have the same confidence that they had in high school. And that's something. You know, a lot of these guys have, and they're young right now still. I mean, we we actually have a really young team again. And, uh, you know, we're going to rely on some of these young guys to be ready right away. So, no, I, you know, I think it's it's all a process. And the pressure, I mean, it's, that's what we train for. It's what you want to be in pressure situations because in the end, you know, when you're wrestling for a national title, I guess there's pressure on the line and those guys are going to have to perform. So, you know, we don't plan on sneaking up on anybody. We plan on being competitive and, and you know, just doing what we can do and, our, and go out and wrestle hard and, and be offensive. So talk about your incoming recruiting class. Um, it was ranked number one unanimously, or at least it should have been. And uh, it features two of the top kids in the class of 2016, uh, Nick Reening and Hayden Hydley. Um, just a lot of talent in the room overall. What are your initial impressions on having these guys on campus and in the room? Uh, it's been good. You know, it's been much needed. I think the last several years for us in recruiting, we've been dealing with, you know, obviously really good guys, um, probably a, a level below talent-wise than this. So to have these guys come in, you know, they're ahead of kids that we've brought in in the past, and now it's them buying into the mentality and the philosophy, and they are. I mean, you know, when we're sitting there training right now, our workouts are the intensity's high because they're all competitors. And it's, sometimes it's a hard thing to instill in your guys. Some of that comes now to the kids that you bring in and I, I think that's one thing we're seeing right now in anything we're doing in our workouts a lot of these guys are ultra competitive and that carries over to their competition and uh, that mentality is, is very contagious and that's I think what makes a good team is when you have all competitive guys they, they want to win in everything they're doing they want to win in training and that carries over their competition so that aspect's been good you know a lot of these guys were good individuals and now we got to get the team aspect together and you know, it's an individual sport, but we're also we're a team sport. So we gotta, you know, we gotta make sure everybody's focused in on their job, but at the same time helping everybody develop and become one as in a program. So I'm interested in finding out who will be the next Wolfpack wrestler to break out onto the national scene. Um, it seems like every year you have a guy that wasn't necessarily a blue chip recruit that emerges as a top 10 type wrestler, starting with Tommy Gant three years ago yep. and Kevin Jack in 2015, and maybe you could say Max Roskop last season. You know, do you have a guy or two you think who qualifies for a big breakout season this year? Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to see some, some new guys, new faces get their, their opportunity. I really like where Malik McDonald or 97 pounders at right now. 
uh, is pretty committed to being, you know, the best that he can be. And he has some really good wins last year that were under the radar. And I think this year when he gets in our lineup and actually gets that experience come March, I think he'll be ready and prepared. And I think he's a guy that you can see kind of have that breakout season. And then, you know, there's two guys down below that I think are ready to break through finally, and that's going to be Jamal Morris and Sean Foss. Depending on where they play out weight-wise, I think both of them are going to be ready for that. And they went through that fresh, you know, that freshman year is pretty tough on these guys, whether you redshirt or not. And that's behind them, and now they know what to expect, and their expectations have have risen quite a bit. So I think both those guys are going to be right right there where they need to be when it comes time as well to to compete against the best guys in the country. And so a guy we both mentioned before is Kevin Jack. He seemingly came out of nowhere to place fifth in the nation, comes back with an excellent regular season, loses only three times on his way to getting the three seed. Then at Nationals, he loses to Bryce Meredith, who is actually an ex-teammate. Then Ward of North Carolina, who he's beaten in the past uh, in the round of 12. So as a coach, how do you help one of your best wrestlers get over a disappointment like that and get him ready to contend for a national title this season? I think just what happened to him, that's going to make him motivated and make sure it doesn't happen again. And to be honest, when we were going through it, it wasn't fun, but I think it was the best thing that's going to be in Kevin's career. When you look back, he knows now that he's not going to let that kind of thing happen to him ever again. And his training has picked up uh, tremendously since that. And uh, sometimes that's what you need. You need to be humbled in the sport. And I think that was a little bit what happened to him. Uh, it doesn't take away as good as an athlete and as good as a season he had. And, you know, sometimes you get in a national tournament, things don't fall your way, and, and that happened to him. But I know it's uh, it's lit a fire under him. I've I've seen a different level of his training and and his ability has picked up tremendously in our room. So I like it. I think it's good. I think we needed that from him this year to be a leader, and I think he's he's stepping into that role quite a bit. So I think you're going to see some some higher level wrestling from Kevin Jack, and uh, which is going to be dangerous because he is very good and I think you're going to see even a more offensive wrestler come come next year and if you could talk about Max Roshkop who's going to you mentioned is going to be dropping down to 157 um, from following him on Twitter to watching him actually competing and seeing him playing to the crowd you know he's got to be more one of the more unique guys in D1 wrestling right now what can you tell us about him yeah you know I think he's come a long way in a short period of time and he's enjoying that success and that notoriety that he's been getting. And, he, you know, he, he feeds into that. And that's, you know, every guy's got their motivation, and that's something that Max enjoys, and he has fun doing it. And uh, the biggest thing with him is we just got to stay focused and and take one match at a time this year and, and keep working on some areas that, you know, were a little bit of an issue for him last year. And I think down away class, I think it's going to help his, his style uh, quite a bit on his feet. And, and be more offensive and I you know defensively he's phenomenal and on obviously in the mat wrestling you know he's, he's extremely dangerous and I think being taller and having more leverage and strength at 57 I think is going to be something that's going to help him quite a bit but ultimately you know it's it's keeping his composure straight through the season and that's for anybody wrestling at this level I mean it's it's a roller coaster so how do you you manage that and deal with that and that's that's going to dictate a lot of his success next year, and I think he's matured tremendously over the last couple of years. And you know, he's done some some big things for himself on and off the mat. 
and you had mentioned earlier the plan is to redshirt NCAA third place finisher Pete Renda. Uh, both of the guys who finished ahead of him at nationals are going to be seniors this season. A bunch of the other contenders at the weight are going to be seniors. For fans, for people like me, we may look at it and say, hey, it's a good idea to redshirt the guy, let the weight class clear out. Is that ever a consideration for you when you're the coach, or is it more based around his development? It's more based on his – I mean, you, you're going to see there's going to be just as good as guys next year. That's college wrestling. There's new guys every year that are just as good as the guys that were there last year. So you're going to have to beat really good guys along the way. So I don't know if that's a, a fair assessment. I think we look at our program and how can we piece a really good team together and, you know, guys graduating. And more importantly, who do you have in the wings that is going to be ready to compete and be competitive that's working extremely hard. And I think it's fair to give Michael Machiavello a shot at, uh, you know, the national tournament and, and put himself in position to place. I wouldn't overlook him as a, as a competitor. And, you know, as we look down the road in two years from now, I, you know, we also got to take care of our program and, and, and things might play out where Machiavello might move up to 97 and Malik McDonald might move up to heavyweight and Randa's at 84. So, as we develop all these guys, you know, you got to have a plan in place for two or three years down the road. So, you know, that's something we're thinking about and at least give us that option after this year. And who knows, you know, maybe we get through a couple halfway through the season and we feel like it's not the right move. We can always make that decision afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so if you could talk about your coaching staff, um, I believe this is going to be the second year with all of the same coaches on staff. Um, your associate head coach, Frank Beasley, for my money, has to be one of the more underrated assistants in the nation. Then you also have uh, Adam Hall and Obi Blanc. You know, what do these guys mean to NC State wrestling? No, oh, I'd say, you know, I think, at least to me, I know I have some of the best guys in the country working here. So I think that's a huge part of our success is these guys all being on board with the mentality, the philosophy, and the work ethic. Um, that's been a huge part of everything that we've been doing is just these guys are helping in, in every aspect. So, you know, when you do that and you start having success and things start growing, you know, people take notice, and and that's the way it should be in this industry is you want to keep evolving, and, and these guys need to go out and run their program at some point, and whether that's this year, next year, it's going to happen, and we know it. And the good news is we got guys – that are here right now that we're educating that are going to be good coaches as well that are in our regional training center. So, you know, when that time comes, we'll, we'll address it as a staff, but, you know, I think our culture is being created and then these guys are help evolving it and, and making sure it stays the course. And that's, that's why I think the success is starting to happen here. And, you know, there, there's going to come a time and place where these guys are going to be um, ready to move on and, and take over their own program. So that'll be an exciting time for, for us and them. Okay, Coach, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else we need to know or look out for relating to NC State wrestling for the 2016-17 season? Uh, we're just, you know, on the scheduling side of things, we've got some great home matches, and, and more importantly, we're just excited to have the opportunity to host the ACC tournament here on campus in March, and I think that's going to be a, a big event in a brand-new uh, arena. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun time come, come March. All right, a big thanks to Coach Pat Popolizio for joining Sudden History for the ACC Preview. Our next guest on the Sudden History ACC Preview podcast is the 2016 NWCA Coach of the Year, Kevin Dresser of Virginia Tech. Welcome, Coach. 
Glad to be here, Earl. Let's let's do this. All right, Coach. If you could start off with a little weight-by-weight breakdown of who could be competing for spots in the Hokie lineup for 2016-17. I know you're returning a lot of guys, so it's probably not as many battles as normal. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a <clears throat> unusually uh, unclear right now. I'll give you my true best best uh, take on it right now, but we're still kind of in between some weights and, and uh, not quite sure exactly what we're going to do. We're still, what, at only you know mid-September, so we're still kind of watching some guys' weights and seeing where they where they shake out at now that we're actually you know doing a lot of a lot of runs and a lot of cardio stuff this time of year. So um, I'll give you my best take, and if I, you want me to start with the little guys or the big guys, should we give the big guys some love? I, that's probably easier. So let's start with the big guys. Yeah, why not? Uh, well, obviously Ty Walls is uh, returning at heavyweight, um, fifth-year senior, and uh, he's done some great things for us. Um, I'm hoping that we get a, a, a bid for the. Um, uh, national or the uh, the All Star meet, um, 197. Jared Houts had a great summer, looking tough as nails. Um, returning All American, of course. 184. Zach Savatsky's coming off of a great, great freshman year, um, and um, you know he's going to be highly ranked out of the gate. Uh, and then 174. Zach Epperly, you know, coming off of a two-time All American, got two years to go, and coming off of a great NCAA tournament. So we feel like 74 through heavyweight, that's the easy part right now for us in terms of the lineup, just figuring it out because, uh, you know, I feel like all those guys are capable. If they have a good weekend in March, could go really, really high and could be guys that could be wrestling late into Saturday. Um, uh, as we go down the lineup, things become a little unclear for us. Uh, David McFadden obviously had a great freshman year, true freshman year in All-American at 65. And, um, we're coming off of, you know, we, uh, unbeknownst to us, uh, he tore his ACL on Thursday night at the NCAA tournament, and we didn't know it until we got back and um, um, actually was surprised when they did the MRI and it came back that he had a torn ACL. So he's he's rehabbing and he's he's just starting to drill again. So we're not quite sure what we're going to do with him. It's potentially a red shirt, maybe a late season, but, you know, right now probably more likely than not red shirt. But, you know, we're going to kind of see how he pro- progresses. He's not one that's very good at sitting around, so we'll see there. Um, you know, if he's not the guy, we've got some guys that are, you know, we've got some guys battling it out at 65 in, in Bergita and the transfer Ryan Bleese from Oklahoma State. Uh, David Bergita has wrestled some for us as a backup. And then we've got a freshman, true freshman coming in from New Kent, Virginia, B.C. LaPrade. Those three guys kind of seem to be the guys that are, uh, you know, looking like they could possibly be, you know, one of those guys could be, whoever doesn't get the, the spot at 57 might uh, be the guy going up to 65, and Brigitte is a 165. So there's a little uncertainty there. 57, you know, we've got we've got some bodies that I just mentioned. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, Sal Mastriani's uh, will certify no problem at 49, but, you know, could start off maybe at 57. Um, he's our guy at 49. Um, we'll certify Shisco at 41. He might start out at 49. We're not quite sure there yet either. We've got a couple true freshmen at 41 in, um, in uh, Jared Deegan from Montana and uh, Brent Moore from Ohio that had really good high school careers that are both 41-pounders that could be in the picture. Uh, and then things get a little clearer for us at the other end. Uh, 33 looks to be Dennis Gustafson again, and then 125 Joey Dance as the front runners. So um, if we stay healthy, that's probably the, the names that I just mentioned are going to be be the 10 guys going going uh, at the end of the year. So your 2016 NCAA tournament was a memorable one for the 
Hokies setting program records for All-Americans with six and a fourth-place trophy, the first in program history. I'm sure you're proud of these accomplishments, but I know you're also not a guy who has the goal of just getting a trophy. You want the big one. You know, how long do you let the team soak in all of this before you're focused on uh, St. Louis in 2017? Well, hopefully we're done soaking and we're, we're driving forward, and, I, and that's the, the message, that's the motto, is, is that you know, we're, we're here to win a national title, and, and uh, we, we got a taste of it last year. We got up on the stage. We picked up a big trophy and, and enjoyed it and, and enjoyed it for a while, but uh, we got back to school this year. Uh, message was clear. It's back to business, and, and we got to learn from it and, and, and continue to build. So looking at your schedule for 2016-2017, there are no dual meets against Big Ten teams, I believe, um, but you've done a good job of getting strong non-conference opponents, uh, Edboro, Missouri, Northern Iowa, Lehigh. Um, I see the Virginia, Pre- uh, Virginia Tech program almost a victim of your own success as these Big Ten schools may be reluctant at scheduling a non-conference opponent like the Hokies. Is that sort of the case? Because you know it's been well documented last year that you guys are willing to wrestle anyone, anywhere. Anytime, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh, it is what it is, really. In that they have the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's obviously, depending on what they draw for a schedule each year, they could have a really tough schedule. So, I think they're all a little leery of uh, scheduling too much more because, you know, they they're, they're, if you're a Big Ten team, you potentially could have you know Penn State, and you could have Ohio State, and you could have Iowa, and you could have you know, all in the course of about five or six weeks. And then, and there's a lot of schools in Nebraska and I could keep going, Minnesota and, you know, just Penn state, I think I said them, but so you just keep going. And so I, I get it a little bit there um, that they're probably a little bit leery, but I'll tell you what, it was a really difficult off season to schedule the most difficult I've ever had. I mean, we're literally paying teams to come in to wrestle us and, and offer to pay teams and, and still didn't have a lot of luck, but um, um, you know, I think we got a pretty good schedule right now at the end of the day. Um, there's, we've actually got a slight change in the schedule that's going to come out here soon. Not going to be a big difference, but uh, uh, we're going to get an extra home date with Duke at home. We're going to split up that Duke-South Dakota State thing um, that we've got in the schedule. So we'll get an extra home date in January with Duke. So, um, yeah, it's turned out to be a pretty good schedule and a pretty competitive schedule. Now, a guy a lot of people are interested in is your 125-pounder Joey Dance. He's combined to lose three regular season matches the past two years and earned – the number two and number three seeds at Nationals. He's defeated both NCAA finalists the past two seasons at one time or another in his career. So, you know, he's earned a place amongst the nation's elite 125s. However, in each of those last two seasons, he's failed to make the podium. You know, what's happened to him at Nationals, and how will this season be different for him? Well, I I, I think it's pretty clear. I think if you use a football analogy, uh, Joey's got great defense. Um, He's... um, one of the hardest guys in the nation to score on. But on the other side of the fence is he struggles offensively. So if you look at the number of – at times he struggles offensively. So if you look at the the wins he had the last two years, he's won a lot of matches, but he's won a lot of really, really close matches and low-scoring matches. And so that – you know, that I, I'm a believer in that bites you in the butt sooner or later, and it's bit him in the butt at the Nationals. I mean, he goes out against a really tough guy like Torero from American – and, you know, gives up one takedown in the whole match, gives up three points, but he only scores two. And so uh, it's pretty simple math. You've got to be able to go out and put points up, and offense wins. Um, if you've got good defense, offense wins. So he's got to develop some offense. He's got to, he's got to take the time and initiative to get better at wrestling. 
Um, he's athletic. He's strong. He's explosive. Um, he's got to get, you know, he's got to take the time to figure out how to score more points. And, and so uh, he's aware of that, and, and we'll see. Uh, I, I think he's making strides, but we'll see. November, we'll see how many strides he made. One wrestler who was instrumental in your fourth-place finish was Zach Epperly. After missing a large chunk of the regular season, he loses in the first round to Casey Kent of Penn, then reels off seven straight wins, six by bonus points, uh, capped off by a win over that Casey Kent for third place. You know, Depending on where you look, he'll probably start the season between first and third ranking. Uh, is he going to be able to carry over that momentum that he had in March to this season? Yeah, you know, last year was a very um, it was a it was a roller coaster for Zach. Uh, he he probably wasn't ready. I think he'd be the first to tell you he wasn't ready to deal with the uh, maybe the target on his back or the the, the um, somebody gunning for him all the time because uh, you come as a freshman and you got no expectations and then boom you're all American and you're you're all of a sudden in your third year of college and everybody wants to take your head off. And I don't think he was ready for that last year. And he physically obviously had some things that went wrong too. So that that's uh, was a little less to control, but I think mentally right now he understands a lot more of what happens when you become the guy and you put that target on your back. Um, anytime you jump up in the all American, that's a, that's a good thing. But the next year, all of a sudden everybody's a little bit more excited to wrestle you because everybody wants to make a name for themselves, especially those young guys. So uh, we'll see, Again, uh, we'll see. We'll learn a lot here in November and December, but uh, I think he's just seems to be a lot more mature this year and a lot more uh, ready to, to 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 take on the the fist fight you got to endure every time you weigh in. And your 197 pounder Jared Hopped he has to be one of the most improved wrestlers in the nation, going 16 and 18 as a freshman to six in the nation at 197 last year. Um, I had one of my sources down at your pre-football game workout this week who saw him and said he looks even more impressive. Just talk about the gains he's made during his time in Blacksburg. Well, Jared's a testament to hard work and coachability. I can't emphasize that enough. He's he's so coachable. It's, uh, you know, he does, he, he, you know, it, it's one thing to come into the room and have a good two or two and a half hours in the room, but it's more important to have a good 22 hours out of the room or, or 21 hours out of the room and do the right things and eat the right foods and, and do that kind of stuff. And that's where he beats a lot of people too, is he's just so, he's such a professional. Um, and, and that's why he's made big improvements. And, uh, he's, he's got a lot of confidence right now. He's tough as nails right now. And, uh, I'm, I can't wait to, he's one, I mean, I'm excited to watch them all wrestle, but I'm really wa- ready to watch this guy wrestle and just, I mean, everybody thinks he made improvements last year. He did from December to March. He just, he made great improvements, but, uh, he might have made a good of improvements uh, in the off season. I'm obviously high on him. Mm. Um, another wrestler who's improved every year for you is your heavyweight Ty Walls. He fell in NCAA semis to the eventual champ and now Olympic champ Kyle Snyder. At one point, he did get a takedown in that match. Now, Ty's a confident guy and very talented. What do you say to him when you know that in order for him to reach his goal of becoming a national champion, he's likely going to have to go through such a great wrestler like Snyder? Well, Ty's uh, excited about the challenge, and I think that's what you know. Great wrestlers do is they get up for the big guys, and you know I told Ty I've been watching the NCAA tournament since about I don't want to say how old I am here, but 
since the mid-70s I've been watching the NCAA tournament, I've saw some pretty daggone guys that were supposed to never get beat get beat there. So uh, there's nobody there that's uh, bulletproof, I can tell you that. And um, so whether it's Kyle Snyder or whoever else, we got to go out and beat them all. We got to we got to be ready. We got to make sure we we try to beat them all. And you never know who's going to be there at the end. It's 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 sometimes it's not who you expect. So um, it sounds cliche, but we'll take them one at a time. But uh, Ty's another one. He's just like Jared. I mean, those two guys probably made the you know they they might have taken two weeks off last year after the NCAA tournament maybe and haven't stopped. I mean, those guys are just uh, those guys eat, breathe, sleep wrestling. So let me preface the next question with some behind-the-scenes stuff for my listeners. One of my good friends, Jim Wells, is a Tech alum. Whenever we travel to Nationals, we get hotels through Virginia Tech and go to some of the post-tournament socials. At these socials, Coach Dresser has each of his NCAA participants give some sort of speech. And this past year, almost to a man, each one of the guys mentioned how Mike Zadick has impacted them on a mental level. Um, this was not just the middleweights or the lightweights. It was everyone up and down the lineup. Uh, when I heard he was going to be an assistant for you, I knew he'd bring a high level of technique and maybe another level of intensity, but uh, maybe it's me knowing he's not as outgoing as you or Coach Roby, but I didn't know how well he'd connect with these guys on a personal level. You know, Talk about what his addition has meant for the program overall. Well, Mike's been a great addition. Um, you know, I knew a little bit about him, and he knew a little bit about me, so the deal we struck was let's just get this let's just come in. He couldn't get in until uh, really October 1st last year because he had some commitments, and I don't think he really planned on getting into, you know, I, don't, I wasn't 100% sure that when he left uh, coaching at Iowa, he was ready to get back into coaching, period. So I knew I had to, to make a, a deal with him that wasn't too um, – you know, that wasn't too detailed and, and restrictive on his part. So we it was we were both in the same boat. I, he didn't know a lot about me. He'd probably heard things about me, and I'd heard things about him. And hopefully it was good on both sides, and I think it was uh, what we had heard. And so it was a little bit of a trial year. And um, he came here, and I think he loved it. He loved the guys. He told me, he said, I've never been on a team or a program where everybody's as close as they are. He said that uh, not too long ago in an interview, and, and I thought that was kind of a nice compliment to our program. But um, you know, I, I'm fortunate. I've got great coaches. Everybody knows what a great coach Tony Roby is. And then to bring Mike in, Mike's just really got, he's got that Pied Piper thing that guys will follow. And the guys that I mentioned to you that were the most coachable, the coachable, the really coachable guys really took to him and believed in him. And I'm hoping that the guys that aren't quite as coachable will, will, will be more coachable because he does bring a lot of uh, knowledge, but he brings, you know, a lot of self-confidence if you, I think if you if you listen to what he says, and and so I think we're all preaching the same message. Um, and then you got to throw a guy in. I'll tell you, one of the guys that's going to be a, a great coach, and he's already a really good coach, but he's just a young guy. Is Derek St. John. Um, he did some things with, especially like McFadden, but just across the board, he spent he spends a lot of time with those guys in the room in the morning. And um, he might be kind of a quiet guy if you catch him in the hall, but he's not a quiet guy when you get him in the wrestling room. So. We're we're really blessed right now is this to have, um, you know I've got three really good guys at my fingertips right now. And something that has become a tradition for Virginia Tech wrestling is competing at the Moss Art Center. It's going to be the third year you've hosted matches at this venue. Chattanooga is going to be your opponent Sunday, November thirteenth, and the mocks are actually going to feature a pair of familiar faces for you on the coaching bench. 
Um, for those that may be unfamiliar with the Moss Art Center, talk about what kind of environment it creates for a dual meet. Well, you just have to imagine going to one of the finest Broadway theaters in New York City and walking in when it's kind of dark and then having the the uh, tiered seats and then the seats on the side, uh, the old uh, Broadway theater seats on the side, uh, overlooking the stage, and then throw a wrestling mat out there, and it becomes a pretty cool venue. Obviously, the acoustics are, are super, and uh, the guys love it. Uh, I think Ty Walls told me it was his favorite place to wrestle. It only seats 1,300, but it, it gives us a chance to sell it out, of course, and then it's really loud, and uh, 1,300 people sitting in there watching a wrestling match is a cool thing, and uh, this isn't out for public knowledge yet. It's going to be real soon, I think, but it looks very promising that we've got another date in late January against Duke at the Moss that's just going to materialize. It's not even on the schedule yet, so it looks like we're going to get an opportunity in November and then in January to wrestle at the Moss, but it's a uh, for those of those folks out there that haven't uh, got a chance to see it, I think the first day the tickets went on sale last Friday, and I think we sold over 350 tickets the first day. So there's already like 900 left, you know. So it, it'll be a it'll be a sellout, and it'll be a it'll be a good time. Awesome. All right, Coach. That's all I had. Is there anything else we need to know about Hokie wrestling for the 2016-2017 season? Uh, probably the fact that our, our uh, Hokie Open, we've we got a sponsor. We've renamed it to Southeast Open right now. It's going to be at the Roanoke Civic Center on Sunday, November 6th. I know Flo's covering it. but um, So we've got a lot. It seems we have a lot of Ivy Leagues. It's probably going to be the biggest one we've had. We're probably expecting over 400 wrestlers. 400 um, between the freshman sophomore division and the in the open division, so that'll be starting at Sunday morning, uh, November 6th. So that'll be a, that's a change in there that's uh, that's just going to pop out here in the next couple of days as well. All right, well, a big thank you to Coach Kevin Dresser for joining us on the Sudden History ACC preview. So that is the first of our D1CW Sudden History Conference previews. Again, look for the EIWA podcast next week. I will most likely make that into a two-part deal because I should have about eight coaches involved with that one, and putting them all together onto one podcast would be like a big ice cream brain freeze or something. Let me know your opinions on these previews. I'd love to hear your feedback. Even if you're calling me an idiot for ranking your kid too low, that's okay. You can reach out to me on Twitter at D1CW or at Sudden History or by email earl at D1CollegeWrestling.net. Before I go check out the Matt Talk Podcast Network, Short Time has a great interview with new Oklahoma head coach Lou Roselli. And until next week. How the hell do I get off this stage? <laughs>